Welcome to Consumed, the podcast about people who eat things, drink things, think things, and make things. So, you know, everybody. I'm Jamie Lewis, and this seventh season, I speak with folks across California, from Chico to Santa Barbara, Humboldt and Grass Valley to Los Angeles. But always at the heart of it is the Central Coast. I hope you get to hear them all. Thank you for listening. Many thanks to my friend, James Onaveros for supporting the work of this podcast. James is the force behind the family of wines known as Ranchos de Anaveros in the Santa Maria Valley. And because all of our friends in the food and drink industry need a boost right now, I'm going to talk about how you can get your hands on some of his wine this winter. For the holidays, wine is the perfect locally made, handmade gift that directly supports those who work to produce it. And for January 1st and beyond, Drinking beautiful Burgundy-inspired Chardonnay and Pinot Noir is the perfect way to celebrate what we're all hoping is a kinder and gentler year. Visit the website for information on how to order Rancho Steanaveros wines, which can be shipped or delivered to your porch for free if you live around Santa Barbara County. To see what's available and to make your order, visit ranchosteanaveros.com. Cheers! Consumed is also sponsored in part by Slow Life Magazine, which has been sharing the stories of the San Luis Obispo community for over a decade. I write the food column for Slow Life, and most recently I covered dishes made from ingredients that aren't always common here on the Central Coast. I'm considering writing about bow-steamed buns for the next column, but what do you think? Hit me up on the contact page at letsgetconsumed.com with your ideas for what to cover next. And if you want Slow Life Magazine delivered to your door every other month, visit slowlifemagazine.com. Susan Feniger is a celebrity chef known from over 300 episodes of the Food Network's Too Hot Tamales, along with her business and creative partner, Mary Sue Milliken, and their restaurants Border Grill and Socolo in Los Angeles and Border Grill in Las Vegas. She is the co-author of six cookbooks and was recently honored by the Julia Child Foundation and is in the permanent collection of the Smithsonian Museum. Her spouse, Liz Lockman, is an Emmy and Golden Reel award-winning independent filmmaker whose latest short film, Pin Up, is a psychological drama that has won 30 festival awards. Susan and Liz have been together for 25 years, bringing their two very separate worlds home to each other to process every night. They talked with me about how they, both as Midwesterners, appreciate working with other Midwesterners, Susan's service on the board at the Los Angeles LGBT Center, Liz's move from composer to film writer and director, and the ways that success has or has not changed them. They're fun and funny, and you'll definitely wish you had a cocktail in hand while you listen. Here's my conversation with Susan Feniger and Liz Lockman. So Liz Lockman and Susan Feniger, I'm so delighted to have you. You are sitting at my kitchen table more or less right now. Love that. <laughs> it's so good to a have big you. kitchen table. Yeah. Yeah. Where is your table? I don't even see it. Or well, your... these are my cookbooks. Um, it's, but it's not a huge collection, um, but it's something. And then my table, my kitchen is here. My house is 900 square feet, so I can touch anything, any room in my house. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And you all are in L.A. What part of L.A. are you in? We're on the west side of L.A., mm-hmm. Brentwood. Yeah. And we were just... Canyon. Nice. We yeah. were just talking about how... Um, I hope it's okay that I 
that I out you on this, Liz, that um, you don't always necessarily know what a tamale is, and then Susan doesn't always know what a comic book is. Um, well, she knows what a comic book is, but she doesn't know the characters. Yeah. So you two are very different. Well, yeah. And she also doesn't know what the difference... Very. She doesn't know the difference between the lyrics and the melody. So there. Oh, so, shoot. Bam. Yeah. There. Yeah, exactly. No, no, So when no. she makes fun of me for not knowing what's in a, yeah. a, a rapa, then I just say, <laughs> no, yeah, no. tell me which is the melody and which is no, the lyric. We're talking about, like... Is that a taco or is that a enchilada? What's an enchilada Wait, exactly? Is arepa actually a thing? I just made that up. I know. Well, inside I was like, gotta look up what arepa is. Okay. Is arepa a thing? But yeah, <laughs> it, it's not necessarily pronounced exactly that. Is it way. even a food thing? <laughs> an arepa. It, oh, arepa. <laughs> it might be like you know, I'm 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 a fencer, so it might be like one of the. Um, weapons that they use in fencing i'm not sure liz okay. you know so you have so many interests it's incredible uh, yeah thanks. she does you're incredible i'm yes. incredible Aww. at least someone thinks so you guys are back together again that's nice <laughs> <laughs> it's like the beatles <laughs> so except we're alive so i'm always you know i'm always curious especially with with people who are in the food industry i like to know what did you eat for breakfast today Is latte. It, is that a it? Different coffees. Really? Yeah, I don't usually, I don't usually eat breakfast because my habit over all these years is that you know, I'll have coffee in the morning because then I end up going in and then, you know, I start tasting. And my when she office, says going in, she means into work. Into yes, work. right. So That's you shorthand. know, I'm and then translate for yeah, Susan. Yeah, thank you. And my office is right behind um, the Tortiera hmm. at Border Grill downtown. So by Tortieras, make, I'm kidding. <laughs> they make fre- they're making fresh tortillas, and then right next to them is someone who's making like you know five gallons of guacamole, wow. and then the carnitas are coming out of the oven. So that's your breakfast. You know, it's hard to. I don't really want, and I want to be hungry to be tasting when I get to work. So I don't. I don't. I'm. Never in the habit of having breakfast unless I have a breakfast meeting. Yeah, I had a um, I had a ham, a little leftover piece of hamburger with um, with mustard, and I stood up while I ate it. But Liz, but Liz often makes breakfast for Wait, herself. I'm serious. I'm not joking. I know. Oh, I since COVID, I'm standing all the time when I'm eating. All the time. I, I don't really have COVID as an excuse. I don't like that. I hate. I don't like to stand up. I don't like to have my meal be on the fly. I like a meal, even if it's just a snack. Mm-hmm. I like to be sitting and enjoying it. Just the idea of just eating to eat. That's me. She's looking at do, me like like her. Doesn't do it for she, me. She right now she would be wearing that T-shirt with a pointing that says <laughs> I'm with stupid. <laughs> I stand in front of the fridge and I that's my breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I just sit there and go, oh, that looks good. Okay, the end. Now what? Because yeah. I don't think of the meal as the event that Susan does. Liz will be like, if I'm cooking, Liz will be like. It takes you t- it takes you so long to cook, 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 and then we eat it in like two minutes. Yeah, yeah what's like, the point, Susan? <laughs> do you ever do you ever get tired? This is a horrible question to ask, but do you ever get tired of cooking? Have you ever been tired of cooking? Well, you know, my work, my typical work life is very different than my COVID life. Yeah, yeah. 
my COVID work life is sitting in front of the computer on meetings, on webinars and Zooms and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, making, well, I don't usually, I don't make breakfast for us, but Liz yeah. makes her own breakfast when she's going to eat breakfast. Liz makes an omelet. I make and a very mean omelet. Nice. Nice. For goes, herself. It, for myself. It goes with a mean person. No, <laughs> it's your superpower. Making omelets is your superpower. See, we have a comic book. Yes. <laughs> Yes, that's my super. I'm the omelet maker. Yeah. But, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, well, I was thinking about this. I was looking through uh, City Cuisine, our first cookbook yeah. yesterday. <laughs> For some reason, I was, look, I was looking through it because I was thinking, because it's interesting. Because. Yes, there it is. Yes, How old is that book now? Oh, my God. I don't know what year was it, Liz? 19. Go ahead. Finish your story. Yeah. So. The thing is, not that it's not okay, but Liz doesn't eat anything. Okay. So I've, if you saw the size of my thighs, you would know that's not true. <laughs> so Liz, <laughs> no. Liz doesn't eat. Uh, yeah, I just have a limited diet. That's very all. limited. That's what so, and it's not limited as much as it's healthy. Okay. okay. Except for when no, she, no, the only thing she eats is red meat. Like in terms of protein, okay. no, you know, no chicken, no turkey, no pork, no lamb. Really? You know, no varietal well, meat. Well, first of all, no lamb. Minimal dairy. No, no gluten. I no, don't eat lamb and veal because I don't like killing. Okay. No gluten. I don't no eat dairy. Pork. So, so you know, I was I was looking through City Cuisine because I was thinking, what what should I make for Thanksgiving? Because what year is it? 1989 was yes. when that book came out. So I was looking through it and I literally, I said to Liz when she got up, 98%, 97% of what's in this book, you don't eat. Isn't which that... is why we canceled Thanksgiving. No. <laughs> what are, no. I'm kidding. What are you going to do for Thanksgiving? Is it just the two gonna, of you? We're going to stare at each other because we're afraid of COVID. So we're just going to look at each other and go, what are we doing? It's so, so we're tough. We're just having Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. But no, I mean, I don't, you know, it's, it is more challenging and part of the part of the thing that's easy about cooking at home is just you know is that i just sort of out of my head just cook things and, yeah. and it's probably been from years of cooking but if i were to be a better partner i would probably say well why don't i be more creative mm. so i can you know cook more interesting stuff for liz you know, but i you know i'm yeah. sort of sick of being creative you know what i have to say something susan is so lucky to have me because I'm not that creative of an eater. Yeah. I actually am I'm not a foodie. I know, but I that's care, that, so I don't I don't need to like have eight different things eight different days. So although, I don't care. I'm a although, creature of habit. Although, you know, I'm cooking for both of us anyways. So yeah. if I so if for an example, just whatever, if Liz ate everything, you know, it would be a lot easier to cook because then it would be, you know, then you do lamb kidneys, you yeah. do, you know, sometimes, crab liver, you do duck confit. That's all know. gross. Sometimes I find, though, that if there are more um, constraints on what I make, that actually there's a lot more creativity. At times, it does feel like, okay, so this person doesn't eat that, this person doesn't eat that, and this person doesn't like hot food. Or, you know, it's yeah. sometimes that can be 
creativity inducing and then other times it can make well, me wanna it's oh, you have sure. to solve a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean there's no question different and, kind of creativity. Yeah, I mean there's no question that you could easily, you know, work around that kind of a diet. There's no question about that. Yeah. I think for me, I have been pretty busy during COVID. Yeah. And so the idea of like think let's think creatively. Okay. I wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, I just realized Susan just made a list of all the things I do not eat, which is lovely, but it's very negative. Yeah. How about listing the things I do eat? What do okay. you eat? Vegetable. I eat fruits, vegetables, proteins, nuts and seeds. Yeah. What else? I don't. I don't eat grains. But yeah. I'm just saying that's a lot. I eat. I eat a lot of good yeah. things. Yeah. It is so a lot. I, yeah. And I'm not really. It's not really. I'm not tired of cooking. You know, sometimes I feel like gosh. Maybe I should think about cooking something different. But that's yeah. with eight months of having been cooking every night. So, yes. You know. Eight but months. Oh, I haven't heard a, that yet. That's a lot. That's a lot. I know. I know. That's it's it. a lot. Ugh. But, you know, I love being able to be home. And that's been a really amazing thing for, for me because Liz is used to working from home all the time. I'm not. So that's been amazing to be able to be home us have dinner every night together. That's been fantastic. That's the yes. first time in my whole career and in our being together yeah. that we've had dinner mostly, every night. Mostly what nice? we really look forward to about it is having drinks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. I really care about the dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? <laughs> no. Just like give me the alcohol now. <laughs> so like what kind of drinks are we talking here? Are you like martini? You strike me as a martini I, person. I used to be. That's really funny you say that. I used to be. But you know, as I've aged, my uh, my ability to handle that much alcohol yep. has gone down. So I get drunk too easily on a drink yeah. if it's a martini. It's pure alcohol. So I've learned now to to sort of cut it and it's, it seems like I, it, it's better for me. Yeah. I, I have a Ciroc vodka. Yeah, yeah. Ciroc is made, you know, it's a grape seed. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a little cleaner yeah. uh, for me. And then I mix it with a little uh, soda, mm-hmm. a little soda and then a splash of grapefruit juice. Oh, we're obsessed with grapefruit juice right now. Yeah. There's a tree in our neighborhood and they have just the most oh, gorgeous great. grapefruits. Yeah. And we're just yeah. putting it in everything, especially yeah, greyhounds. We just... Greyhounds are delicious. Yeah. Where did you yeah, grow up, Liz? That's. Uh, I grew up uh, in suburban Detroit. Hmm. Uh, in Birmingham, Michigan. Did your parents work for the auto industry? No, they okay. did not. Hmm. Um, my father uh, was the head of Lockman and Company, which had been around since the 1890s in oh, Detroit. Wow. So it used to be a um, watchmaker in the beginning and then they turned it into a jeweler, jewelers. And then in the 50s, 1950s, it became trophies and awards. Mm-hmm. And then the 60s, it, it sort of uh, morphed into executive gifts, mm-hmm. uh, plaques, the car companies, all of the, um, you know, if they wanted to give awards to their management or whatever, my father did all that. And now my sister runs the company oh, wow. um, in still in Michigan. She moved it to Southfield, Michigan, which is another suburb. Mm-hmm. outside of Detroit. So she moved it out of Detroit proper. Yeah. And um, that's, that, and they, they do executive gifts still. Yeah. And yeah. awards and things, specialty awards. Did you, do I understand correctly, you came into the film industry, entertainment industry through music. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So that when did you right. start? Are you a pianist, singer? 
Yeah, singer songwriter. Yeah, keyboard. Yeah, piano. I, I, um, my, my, my aunt, my father's sister was a, a concert pianist, and she lived down the street from us. So she started teaching me piano when I was five. Wow. So she took me, walked me by my hand down the block. <laughs> mm. um, but actually, my I started uh, singing big band. That was my first oh, job job. Fun. When I was fifteen, I started singing in big bands. Wow. Around Detroit. Yeah. Wow. So that was my, that was the beginning, the beginning. And you grew up with the Supreme oh, sort wow. of being yeah. local girls. Yeah. The local girls, really, literally local. Like my mother would see them shoe shopping at Hudson's and get their autographs for me. And, you know. That's so, amazing. Yeah. You steeped in before it. Before Motown. Yeah. Before Motown yeah. moved. And her mom took her out of what grade? Fifth grade? You mean to go to the Fisher Theater? Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, the Nederlanders, I don't know if you know that name, the Nederlander no. theater people. That's the ones who own all these theaters all over the world now. But they, they were Detroiters. Mm-hmm. So their first theater was in downtown Detroit. It was Fisher Theater. And my mother showed up on the playground one day because her, um, her theater partner couldn't go to the matinee with her. So she decided to take me out of school. <laughs> That's awesome. What an awesome I know, moment. right? Yeah. I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So that was pretty funny. Very yeah, so, cool. Yeah. And where did yeah. you grow up, Susan? Where's your accent? I'm trying to place it. Just 45 minutes south of Liz in Toledo, Ohio. Is that right? But you didn't know each other growing up. No, no, no. But, you know, our my uncle did business with her father. They were both wow. in the same business. Isn't but we didn't, we didn't, I mean... We didn't meet each other till out here. Yeah, but but yeah. we backtracked at some point because there were so many. Our parents knew so many similar people. Yeah. Because they were very uh, similar community, so that was pretty pretty. Yeah. Funny. Do you think there's something to be said for Midwesterners liking one another? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we have Mary Sue and I. Mary Sue, my business partner, is also a Midwesterner, and we always used to kid that like. We only, if we could only hire Midwesterners, that's what we would do. Hard yeah. work and the hard work and, you know, down to earth. And kind, kind and loving. And yeah, I'm probably overstating it, but yeah, yeah. Only, only a little. <laughs> Where are you originally from out here? I am from here. Out on the West, yep. West Coast? Yep, yeah. husband but and I. really is. We lived all over the world, but we came back here because it's great here. California is the best. If you ask me, I think the Golden yeah. State is pretty incredible. Right. And you've been Californians for a long time, so you obviously... Yeah, and L.A., L.A. from the Midwest is a pretty big leap. Um, I know... I, you weren't... I mean, I came from New York. I mean, you know, I went around about, and so did you. Susan yeah. Yeah. was working all over. I mean, I went uh, from college to... New York, well, culinary school, upstate New York, yes. and then to Kansas City, and then to Chicago, and then to L.A. Where was Paris? Where was uh, Oh, France? yeah, and then I went. France to, was in there somewhere. Yeah. France for a year from L.A., but then back to I, L.A. I want you to know that if I hadn't gone to summer camp in Canada, yeah, I would sound just like Susan. But Canada, like, broke you of your accent? Yes, because the kids teased me because of my accent. I used to say accent. Like Susan does, accent, grocery say, bag. Say glasses. Is that what? Glasses. 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 She says glasses, not glasses. I know everyone, yeah. everyone kids yeah. me when I say car or garlic. Car. car. I, there is, I don't even hear an accent. I just love it. I think it makes you, I, I was telling my mom that I got to speak with you two today and 
I said, don't you just think Susan Thenniger has the most open and kind and recognizable face in the, in the um, food industry? It's true. And those glasses, those glasses. <laughs> That's funny. I have worn LAI Works glasses for 40 years. Wow. 40. It's because she had glasses when she was like five or like 35 years. That's 35 a long time. Years I've worn. I've worn their glasses, but this particular frame, I've worn now probably, don't look at I don't know, at least 15, years. 15 17 yes. years. But this frame, for some reason, people have responded to this frame more than any other frame I've ever worn yep. in their glasses. And they don't make it anymore. I have two pairs, this and, and one other one, and, and they're now, both about to break. Now Isn't your listeners can't funny. even see those because we're just doing Oh, no. Well, yeah, no. Well, you do. It's those glasses are a part of the persona for sure. So <laughs> how did the two of you meet? Okay, you really want us to have an argument. <laughs> you want us to have an argument right now, don't we? We don't agree on how we met exactly. Yeah. Well, we, we agree on where we met. Hmm. Oh, well. Well, yeah. I mean, really, <laughs> where we really met. We agree. Okay. Well, so my friend called me and said, I was single and she says, we have a, a friend who's leaving her husband and she thinks she's gay and she wants to meet gay women and she's Jewish and she wants to meet Jewish gay women. And mm. You're the only one we know. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you need to get out more. You <laughs> are, a, you are a niche. You have a very, uh, yeah, very yeah, specific like, niche. There's something wrong because I'm the only Jewish gay girl, you know. But anyway, besides that, I was like, sure. And they said, meet us at the Border Grill. Mm. And I was like, ugh, because I thought, you know, the Border Grill, I had been avoiding the Border Grill. Because, Why? <laughs> I because, don't know. She was an idiot. Because <laughs> Susan and I met at a party a couple of years before that. And I mistakenly, okay, now I realize mistakenly, thought that Susan was rude to me. Okay. It so happens. Thought, it I, happens. I'm never going. I wasn't rude. She wasn't rude. Yeah. But I thought she was. And it was because she had a fight with her girlfriend that night, and she was kind of not quiet. Very, yeah, quiet. What I, she was I, quiet. Also, I quiet. At it was parties. everybody else at the table that was. Yeah, rude. I you mean, were just quiet. Probably, you know, I'm like, I'm quiet at parties. It's hmm. str it's interesting. I'm. I think I'm really even still now. If we go to a party, well, well not, not now, not during COVID. Well, <laughs> right. A party, I would say to Liz, okay. Wait until I find one person I want to talk to, and then you can leave me. Yeah. Because And then Liz would say, at the end of the night, that poor person got stuck yeah, with you all night because you never let him go. <laughs> um, but that's an, are you an introvert, do you think? I don't know. Do you? I don't know. I, you know, each, I don't both know. of us have that side where we can be completely alone and be very happy. Yeah. And then the other side, which is, you know, the, the, external person that you yeah. take out into the world I, sure. I mean i don't i'm definitely not an introvert at work mm -hmm. right but i mean i'm very you know i'm very involved with our team i'm very involved with customers i feel like i'm very vocal and yeah. that and i guess if we're with close friends in a small group i don't feel like i'm an introvert yeah. but at like a big party i'm not very i just am not great with social and they those kind of interactions aren't 
very meaningful to me. Right. I, yeah. I, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I, whereas, whereas I thrive on them. <laughs> But do you really? Do you really thrive no, on them? She's just better. At, I, she's way better. I, yeah. You know what? So for so many years, I was a waitress. Mm. And, you know, that's that sort of superficial. Like, how do you be superficial but, but make good money? And warm. And so you, yeah, right. Yeah, you have to be able to sort of do it quickly. It, you know, they're not going to be, you're, you're not marrying anybody, you know, no. you just want to get a few dollars out of them. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, but on this ends up. On some days, that is what it's like. Right? Liz will end up in long conversations with, you know, the plumber that comes over to the house. Right. Yeah. Why? Because, first of all, because I know I could probably do what the plumber is doing. Yeah. So I want to watch them so I can do it next time and I won't have to pay this idiot to do it. Right. Right? And they're They're so expensive. Right. And I'm thinking, I know it's not rocket science. I could probably do it. Yeah. Now I just look on YouTube and I can do it. Yeah, during COVID, <laughs> during COVID, Liz has been like miss, like productive with being able to like put in our kitchen drain, fix our toilet, yeah. you know, yeah. fix our garbage disposal. I've been Way blown away. That is, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm very you. lazy in that world. Hmm. Well, if I wasn't so afraid of dying of COVID, I probably would. Oh, my gosh. I know. I <laughs> but know. you know what? But, you know, the other thing is, though, oftentimes I find that, you know, you, you start talking to well as a writer, as a storyteller, yeah. you start talking to people and everyone has such an interesting life and interesting yeah. stories. And so oftentimes, you know, who cares who it comes from? I mean, how many people do I get a chance to talk in depth with? Not that many. Well, yeah. that's also yeah. I think part of that also is because. As a writer, Liz is working alone all the time, most of the time. Whereas for me, I'm always with people. People. And so we have very different, our days or nights, different needs are are spent very differently. (laughs) And as a storyteller, right, I mean, you have that sort of. But you you often find, I often find things in common with people that I would never think (laughs) I would have in common. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you talk to them and some, they'll say one thing and off you go. And it's kind of cool. Well, yeah, I do enjoy that. What was, I'm thinking about you being a, a work from home storyteller, which is what I like to think that I do. And I do, I, I feel like I can um, go further and further into intro, being an introvert the longer I do it. Um, it's almost addictive in a way. Like you're home alone a lot, kind of start liking that enjoying that and it's good to get out even on zoom it's good to to take a minute and talk to somebody um how liz when you first had something go up on screen that was your own idea what was that experience like that was amazing (laughs) um i think my first short film that i wrote and directed um was called getting to know you and it ended up winning a bunch of awards like not i mean nine film festival awards which was great yes my second one did even better but um, but my first one was, um, I, I, what I saw was that in my mind when I wrote it, I had something in my mind, but when it happened and it went on screen, it was so much better than mm-hmm. what I had imagined. Mm-hmm. And that was directly because of all the creative minds and brains and you know impulses of all the people that came together. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. I it think it was, it was amazing from when when Liz and I first started dating, it was sort of a similar process with music. We'd be like driving in the car and Liz would, 
say, oh, wait, wait, I got to leave him something on, you know, my uh, answer machine. Yeah. Answer, wasn't it an answering machine? <laughs> answering machine at home. And she'd leave like this sentence of something that had come to her mind. And then like three weeks later, because she was then at that time in the studio writing music with her writing partner. And she'd come home with like a little cassette and it would be based on that line yes. and it would be a whole song. Oh, that's so, so I would cool. be like, oh my God, how did that come from that one line? And it, and it's sort of similar with, you know, I think when I've seen Liz take an idea for a script and then write it, and I'll read it, and I'll think, oh, that's, you know, good. Listen, she's the worst audience in the world. <laughs> well, she, reads it. She, read, she reads my script, and she goes, yeah, I guess that's good. And then I'm <laughs> filming it, and she's on set. I, I guess that's funny. No. And then she says, and then, then when people in the audience are, like, screaming with laughter, she's like, that's really funny. <laughs> no, no. And it's so amazing, though, for me to see it go from, an idea, idea. to yeah. a script, and then to see it up on the screen, yeah. you know, my cool. mind just doesn't work in that way. I don't, yeah. you don't, know. Don't you I don't, do recipes that way? Don't you have an idea about what you think would feel and taste good together? And, yeah, but, yeah, but it's a, you know. And you do this with your hands. Yeah. It's a little different, though, because a line like that, if you're sending something home to your your answering machine, I mean, that's a very, that's the spine of an idea. Whereas, I mean, I suppose with, I don't want to speak for you, um, Susan, but with food, it's like, okay, well, maybe you have, I don't know, maybe you're into cardamom or something and you start thinking about it that way, but it's more of like a pulling things together. Whereas that, when the spine is right there and you can send it home to yourself, that's incredible. Yeah. 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 It really is. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I think you know, it is interesting because now it's been a very, it's a, it's a different process now than it was, you know, 30 years ago for me with food. Right? Yeah. You know, at that point it was, I think it was different because it pushed you to sort of think differently than, than I think now. What do you mean? How is it different? Um, you know, I think we were teaching a lot. So learning about I think Mary Sue and I pushed ourselves to learn about, like if we were teaching a class and it had uh, tomatoes and cucumbers and curry neem leaves and ingredients in it, we would both like look up everything we could about curry neem leaves, everything about cucumbers, everything about eggplant, everything about cardamom. So that then when we were teaching the class, we were able to say, so this is what curry neem is and this is the flavor profile and blah, blah, blah. So, I was really back then learning a ton. Yeah. And now it's a little bit different for me. I think, you know, I'm um, less interested in that, expanding my mind about food. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in other things. And so I don't push myself as much. I don't nearly as much as I did back then because then I was starting my career and yeah. it was a whole different, you know, um, yeah, I mean, different. My passions now are, you know, more. I, I think they're more varied, and lots of it within the restaurant world. Yeah. But sometimes it's in the, the you know, like the culinary program at the Los Angeles LGBT Center, right. or it's how to run our business, or you know, now it's a way broader than just food. Back then, it was just food. 
yeah. and creating and being creative in that way. Now it's a whole lot of other responsibilities where my mind goes now, a different kind of creativity for yeah. sure. Yeah. And it sounds also, I mean, from, from learning more and more about you, it sounds like giving back is a big part of it too. And service um, is a deep interest for, for you and probably yeah. for both of you, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I would like to return to one thing. We didn't yeah. really tell you how we met. Oh, no, you didn't. Please we continue. We just told you where we met. Yeah, all I heard was that you, you, one of you didn't like the other and the other misunderstood. Well, yeah, I would say I, yes. Okay. So my friend says, come to the Border Grill to meet your blind date. And I did. And I, the Border Grill in Santa Monica is it was at the time it was a huge restaurant so i was standing in the middle of the restaurant it was jam-packed i'm looking for my friend and susan is working the tables saying hello how's your food i guess that's what you were doing right yeah i mean yeah how's your food and um <clears throat> i never understood why chefs are they're supposed to be in the kitchen cooking but whatever so she came up to me because i was standing there like a lost lamb and looking for my friend and then just as Susan came up to me, my friend found me and she knew Susan. So she introduced us. She said, have you guys ever met? And I thought, well, she might remember being rude to me at that party. And um, no. I, didn't, I just thought that I didn't say it out loud. <laughs> and, and I said, no, we haven't. Yes. And yeah. so we met and then they took me to the table and I met my blind date. And I wasn't interested in my blind date, but Susan kept coming back to the table over and over and over. Like I did every table. No, like she did specifically. <laughs> like specially. she did extra for you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she thought so. She's she busting so. the table. She's offering a I drink do from that the still. bar. Oh my you God. You better not I do, do that, that still. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I should be going to work more often you with should. you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that was that. Nice. And you so ended up was, going that out. That was how we met. Yeah. And then I ended up, which I never had done, is calling someone to go out on a date. I don't think I'd, I don't even know if I'd ever done that before. It's because my therapist said I wasn't allowed to call anyone. I, I had to, they had to call me. Yeah. We were, I was deep in therapy yeah. for that. Exactly. Well, so that's good then. That's yeah, good because Susan, it sounds like it stretched you and it stretched you yeah. to, yeah, yeah, for sure. To wait. To wait. Well, and that's a stretch. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it wasn't. I, I mean, I said to my friend, look, I know she's not going to call me like before, before she, they, they were doing their first radio show yeah. live on uh, KCRW on PBS Love it. Yeah. radio. It was called Good Food. And Susan and Mary Sue were the original um, hosts of that radio yeah. show. She was telling us all about it and she was nervous. And I thought she's, she's not going to call me before the radio show on Friday. But if she doesn't call me by Sunday, she's a loser and I'm not going out with her because that's ridiculous. But she called me Friday, a half hour after the show was done. Nice. Wow. Nice. And then we went 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 out and we went on our first date and it was um, on whatever night it was. I don't know, Friday night or whatever night, whatever night, Thursday night. And... I was going to go over and get Liz like at eight or something. And then, of course, right when I was just about to walk out of the restaurant, we got slammed. So I called Liz, said, I can't, you know, I'm going to be late and blah, blah, blah. And then I think twice you called twice because we just got, of course, got slammed right when I was about to leave. So I ended up picking up Liz and I was um, in my chef jacket, completely gross and dirty and smelly. And it was pretty disgusting. But you know what? She called. 
So I actually gave her points because I was dating losers and they didn't call. They just didn't show up. Of course she called. And twice. Horrible. I know, twice. And so we went out on that our first good, date. Good behavior. Yes. To, yeah. We went out on our first date to a dumpy little yeah. place. What was filmed there? What was that oh, show? Oh, you know where? Um, or, no, no, no. no. Um, Goliath. Do you know the TV? This, this, the, I think it's on... Um, it's, it, it sounds familiar, it's, but it's I'm, a little, it's a, it's a little, a place that's been there for Amazon. probably 50 years. Yeah, it's yeah. a little place with, and a great know, sort of old really school old bar. And it feels like a Midwest play. Yeah. Is it still was, around? Goliath yeah, is still yeah. there. Okay. It's called yeah. Shay J. No, Goliath is the name of the TV Oh, and that's what I mean. Sorry, Shay J. Yeah. Gotcha. filmed at Shay J, which is really funny. Nice. So we went there and then we went to hear music yeah. afterwards. But yeah. so it, it was and then that was okay. 25 years end ago. of story wow 25 years ago so you really have you've watched each other's careers blossom a lot yeah i want to take a minute to tell you a little bit about one of my sponsors slow food co-op's mission is to empower health and well-being in the community by providing quality products and exceptional customer service Community-owned Slow Food Co-op buys from local producers, ensuring they offer their customers real and sustainable food. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining non-GMO standards and environmentally sustainable packaging. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit the Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. Susan, I want to hear about the, I mean, you've had such a public persona from, I mean, good food and um, the all of the television you've done, and you worked on a film together, um, you Liz and Susan um, Forked, which is, um, you know, a cool project to work on together. Am it's I allowed not, to talk about quite that? quite complete, absolutely. Okay. That's okay. Uh, when Susan was putting together uh, Street which was global street food. Right, yeah, right. And I, and I thought it was interesting because she was working without Mary Sue for the first time ever. Hmm. And I thought, this is kind of interesting. So she's starting over by herself. She just had this passion to do this project. And so I thought, well, someone should film this because she's at the top yeah. of her career starting over. And I thought, well, I didn't mean me, but I was there all the time. And she was doing things differently when I was behind the camera. Yeah. She was doing all these things to make me laugh so it ended up being like the Susan that I see at home. Yeah. And it was a cool thing. So I followed her for a year and a half while she put that project together and pretty much everything went wrong. Mm. Pretty and, much everything went wrong. Yeah. Well, we, well, it was a fun time because we were filming, uh, we were filming here a lot of it. Like uh, the, the woman that was my partner there, Sasha, had been a chef for us at the other restaurants for a long time and then had left. And so Sasha and I were doing testing here. At the, at the house. At the Everything house. was from our house. And Fun. so it was a mess. This, yeah, it was like for <laughs> five months, we had set up like four eight-foot tables that was filled in our, with... In our living room. That yeah, was our room. living room. <laughs> and and we were doing all of the testing all day long. So Liz would be there. And then at like six o'clock, we'd start cocktail testing. Fun. That was the best part. Yeah, yeah. right. And totally. then I, but then I was also editing little um, three-minute videos together on the process. And also I was going to the restaurant site where they were doing all the construction to get all that. Yeah. And then I'd come back home and they weren't done till probably 11 o'clock at night. 
And after that, and I'd film more, and after that, Susan would want to talk about the day. Mm. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God, shut up. <laughs> I've been listening and watching you all day long. <laughs> but it was, really, it was a fun process because we ended up, I mean, the, when we hired the GM, she'd be doing interviews here with employees. Yeah. We did the employee, you know, first employee meeting out on our deck. So, you know, yeah. So, it but, was and a so lot right of, now, that film, I'm editing that now. Okay. I'm not, finished with the film but it will be great well I didn't yeah. think it was finished because I couldn't find it anywhere so I'm there looking forward to that well so, I, so so Susan with your public I mean did you always think you would be in the public eye is that something you aspired to do or did it sort of just happen no I mean I definitely didn't aspire to no do theater it. no nothing like that <laughs> no 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 okay. definitely not I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh that's <laughs> Susan in theater <laughs> although I did do what? My little, one little oh my stint. God, she was on Broadway. On Broadway. Susan Feniger was on Doing Broadway. What? How many people can say that? Yeah. Wait, Susan, why was that? What happened? Oh, it was a hysterical thing. What was the name of that? I can't remember the name of a show. It was a Broadway. chef thing. It was a chef Susan thing. Susan and Mary Sue. And we had to sing. They sang. Oh my gosh, how cute. You know, anything you, from yeah. Annie, get your gun. Yes, yes, of course. Anything you can do, I can do better. Yeah. So and they would fun. like new lyrics for cooking. It was hysterical. Love yeah. it. So they've actually been on Broadway now. That's yeah, awesome. That was fun. But no, never theater. And I never thought about it. I mean, really, I was, you know, I, I was a cook. And that was, you know, I mean, I think at some point, you know, I was a follower of Ann Rand when I was in high school. Really? So, I mean, now I'm not, but I was <laughs> then. Yeah. And, you know, and I think I probably thought, you know, I'm going to be an entrepreneur too. But really, when I started cooking, I was just, I worked in restaurants, but I was very focused. When I was in culinary school, I remember, I mean, I was focused even when I started in college. I mm -hmm. was like, you know, just very driven and I um when I was in culinary school I remember saying I'm gonna stop reading anything novels any anything except cookbooks mm -hmm. so I was very like you know very very focused on it and I you know was planning like I'm gonna work here for a year a year and a half from you know starting at the bottom and even staying at the bottom well, I was a woman in French kitchen so you stayed at the bottom for sure but the bottom often is where you learn the most so even still now in kitchens, you know, mm -hmm. in prep. And so it was, my focus was from where do I go? Where's the next best place to go? Where's the next best place to go? And I would offer to go in and work for free in the morning just shift. Just to learn. Right on, yeah. Particular goal, right? Yeah. No, mm -hmm. just to learn. So it would be like, let me come in in the morning so I can, when I was in Kansas City, I convinced the, the owner of that restaurant, he was a chef, Swiss, I let me come in in the morning with you when he would do like all the inventory of wine, all the baking, all the filleting of the fish and the butchering of the meat. So I went in and worked like six or seven hours for free. Then I'd time in for my shift yeah. at, you know, two, but it was all about learning. So yeah. and at that point, and that you're in your 20s, right? When you when that's yeah. happening, there's so much energy there. When, you know, there is, there's so much energy and so, so much ambition and focus and, and then things start to get big and unwieldy and yeah, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> I think if we could harness that energy for ourselves. Well, well we you know, I feel like even like when we opened Street, which wasn't that long ago and mm -hmm. when we opened, you Socolo. know, Socolo, I Santa feel Monica. like 
I mean, I think my mom had a lot of energy. I feel like I have a lot of energy. I mean, I would be working, and still I'm sort of amazed. I would be working, you know, 12, 13 hour day and come home. It'd be like, you know, one in the morning driving home and then knowing I was getting back up at seven to go back to work. And I wasn't one bit tired. Where there'd be kids that were like 20 at that point, <laughs> and they would be exhausted after like an eight-hour day. I think and that's just about passion, don't you? I, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And feeling yeah. of purpose. Yeah. Well, yeah. 25 years together with, it sounds like two, I'm not going to say workaholics, but hardworking, passionate people. No, you might be right. Well, you I just didn't want right. to be the one to say it. This <laughs> might be. I don't think I am. Oh my God, that's so wrong. Well, so how do you anyway. keep how do you keep a relationship healthy and happy um, over that length of time and with so many other interests? I think we just never see each other. <laughs> Not the answer I was expecting. That's true. You know, I mean, COVID. We've seen each other more we never, during COVID. We have never spent this much time together yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah. I used to think like when we were together maybe 15 years, I thought we've really probably spent six years together, actually. All, yeah, all told, if you added it all up. But you know, one thing I think is that we both, neither one of us sleep late. We Mm -hmm. both wake up early and we both like to stay up really late. So, I mean, I do think we both have a ton of energy. Whereas many people that I think are friends of ours, don't do that. They may go to bed by like, you know, nine o'clock. Yeah. And we're, I mean, we tend to sort of, we both have that similar mm -hmm. clock, uh, inner clock, you know? So even if we get up early in the morning, we end up having some time then and some time late at night. So we sort of have that time. And and I think we're both sort of spontaneous. We Mm -hmm. do things, you know, late or at the last minute or yeah. So I think that helps. Yeah, for sure. And and both of us being passionate, you know, that also makes, I think, our connection um, stronger because yeah. we yeah. both have passion. So we're not necessarily counting on the other one to keep us, no. you know, driven or something or, or motored. Yeah, or, yeah, you know, I'm always, I think we're both interested in what the other one's doing. And so yeah, that's the thing. We both, we sort of come together at the end of the day and we have, I have thoughts. Yeah, well, it's good to have I that. Have thoughts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And, and the passion, I think you then share that passion. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wonder, and, and you know, I, I wonder sometimes how would it be to not, if you didn't have that passion but I guess people have passion about whether it's their work or their kids yes right right you know but but ours both both of ours I think we both are very passionate about very different things so that keeps it really interesting too sometimes Susan will say something and I think to myself I have never heard her say that before yeah that's amazing Mm -hmm. all these years I never heard anything like that come out of her mouth yeah I, I think I, that's pretty cool. It is so cool. I just had that this past week with my husband. We're just like, right. we've been together 18 years, and wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's great. Nice to be yeah, surprised. The lid, the lid sort of blows off, and you have a whole new room to inhabit. Yeah, right, right. That's cool. So uh, you've talked a little bit about how you both have changed since, you know, kicking off your career. Um, what do you think 
uh, you know, how, how has success specifically changed you? Season. I, you know, I don't know. I think, um, from early on, I think the thing that I was most passionate about was being in the restaurants with the people that work for us with, you know, with guests, but that sort of collaboration and the feeling of family and, you know, um, and I think the camaraderie that happens within the restaurant business Mm -hmm. and that, so all, you know, I mean, I feel like I have had, you know, a lot of successes that are, you know, exciting and cool, but I still, for me, the thing that's been the most rewarding in my career has been the relationships that have developed, the um, seeing some kids that have grown up with us. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the things that still for me are the most, are, are, feel bigger to me than any of the awards. So are you saying success has not changed you then? (laughs) I don't know that it has. I mean, it's certainly, you know, what it has done, what success has done, which I feel a responsibility for is given me a voice Mm -hmm. to be able to try to speak about the things that are important to me Mm -hmm. and have the power to be able to affect change to a point. So I, I like that it's given me so, and I think it's, it's been very special to be able to have that success because then you're given access to be able to do that kind of thing. So to be able to get involved with things that are important to me and, and only because I've been like to be able to cook for Obama, yeah. you know, or Clinton, I mean, if I wasn't successful, I wouldn't probably have gotten that opportunity. So those are the kinds of things that I think for me are so wonderful about being successful. Totally. I'm like sparking inside because I, uh, yeah, that would be incredible. Were they, were they happy by the way, with what you made? I'm willing to bet they were. (laughs) Well, yeah, just all of it, you know, being able to, I mean, that, you know, being able to meet Obama, meet Clinton, meet, you know, Hillary Clinton, you know, President Clinton, you know, President Obama, to be able to be in that, that kind of um, position. And then is, yeah, it's cool. cool. Totally. Totally. It's cool. Yeah. And be, and there is access that you get for me, the access to be able to affect change has been the best part of it. Very cool. Very cool. Liz, what do you think for your part? Silence. Mm. <laughs> Nothing? Um, no, it, you know what? I, I don't feel like I've had nearly that kind of success. So I'm still looking to keep creating and, and do something bigger than I've done. So 30 awards for, a sh- for, for the film pinup? This, is this yes. not enough? <laughs> no, that, an Emmy. It's enough. Yeah, right. An Emmy. 
an it's, Emmy. It's all good. Yes. It's all good, but um, I, you know, for example, okay, so I have um, a number of feature films that I would like to see made yeah. that I've written. I have a number of features that I would like to direct that I've written. Mm -hmm. you know, so, so that's where I'm headed. I, I still feel I love what, for me, when I get an award like that, it means that, that there's an audience that people love my work yeah. and so that means keep creating keep pushing keep doing the things that you did that you know caused that to happen yeah you know yes and do you think also i wonder because you had a whole career in music yeah and then moved to yeah. screenwriting so it's been a you're at a different point with yeah. than had you been just staying yeah, in the music whole the whole mm -hmm. time yeah. it might have been yeah. at a different point right so in terms of your what's yeah. fulfilling or I, I it seems to me that as soon as I do one good thing, I raise the bar and then it's never good enough. And then I want to do the mm -hmm. next big, big mm -hmm. thing, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, thank you, mom and dad. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to turn it into a therapy session. This, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Wait, I'll tell you, this will tell you exactly. This will tell you the story of her mother, who's now 97 mm. and, you know, someone someone went in to evaluate her, you know, where she was at mentally. Yeah. And so the woman afterwards said, you know, that was great. You, you know, you really, you did, did really very well. well in that. Yeah, I think my mother said, well, how did I do? Because I had told my mother this woman's going to evaluate you. So she said, you know, how did I do? And the woman you said, you did, did really well. You got, you know, 97%. Yeah. And my she, mother goes, only 97? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I said, that's the mother that raised me. There she is. Are you the firstborn, Liz? <laughs> no, I'm fourth out of five. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah. All of us were very high achievers. You can now understand yeah. why. Nothing was ever good enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if it was an A minus on the report card, it's like, why wasn't it an A? It was like that, you know? Gosh, and that's so hard on us. I have children. Do either of you have children? No, we have oh. dogs, and we've really ruined them. <laughs> and they are and they are overachieving dogs. Yes. Now we have. Now they're in therapy right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, just becoming that person. Try, well, so backing up, trying not to become that person who's like, right. oh, an A minus, huh? I mean, it well, is just. You know it's funny? like poison. How is this but happening? Turns, but see, then it turns around. I have found it because if people live long enough, see what happened with me is at first it was, um, you know, I want to please my parents who can't be pleased. Then it was, um, how come they can't be pleased? What's wrong with them? Mm. And then it was, I don't care if I please them ever mm. again. Who cares about them? But after you get to a certain age, it's like, you know, they're pretty smart. Yes. And then I see my mother now and I think, oh, my God, she's amazing. Yeah. If I could be like her, I would be lucky. Yeah. So it, it's come full circle, really. Well, and I'm happy for you that you feel that way because it's burdensome to be, you know, to be burdened by that is a horrible feeling. Yeah. 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 I never do because my mother makes me laugh so much. She has the funniest sense of humor. So I just, we're always cracking up. You know, even when she's, I mean, even when she's complaining about the fact that she's so old. At one point she said, am I 95? I said, mom, you're 97. She goes, 97? That's almost 100 years old. How am I living so long? And I said, well, mom, you know, there are people in Russia who live to be 120. Wow. She goes, should I move? <laughs> 
Yeah, Mom, that depends. Funny. How long do you want to be? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, of course, I said to her, would you please? Oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah. Is so she in I LA mean, with you? Just, do you get to see her a lot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we brought her here from Michigan. We moved her here. That's yeah. cool. Her, her memory started to go, so about 10 years ago, I just felt more comfortable having her closer. 97. Do you think you both want to be working this hard when you're 97? I do. No. I can't wait. No. I don't know, you know, yeah, I don't know. This, I'll tell you, the silver lining for me with this time during COVID, it's sort of, it's been a little bit of forcing me to sort of say, okay, what is it not to go in, you know, mm -hmm. five or six days a week? Because I would go in and no matter what, even if I thought it'd be an eight hour day, it ended up being, you know, 10 hour day. Yeah. It just, it, it's so much been a part of my life forever yeah so this has been an interesting time to sort of see what would it be to pull back some and you know there's a lot of things that i think by being on a schedule like that that i haven't been able to do and that i'm doing more now just in terms of even being able to be free to decide if i'm going to go get my hair cut except at while well, my day off you know at yeah. blah blah at a certain time so so yeah, that's been sort of interesting. But at 97, I don't see myself not working. Yeah. I definitely don't see that. I don't know in what capacity exactly, but I I don't see myself not working. Because I, I know what you'll be doing. You'll be tasting and you'll go, you'll go not enough salt. Yeah. Put Always. more acid in there. Always yeah. not yeah. enough salt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I was going to wrap up, but I just realized I have this one question. If you have enough time, I want to ask... Um, Susan, with the foods, this is such a different era right now with cuisine and the way people feel about food. People have so much more understanding. They have so much more access than they did when you started. Um, but you starting with, you know, a really Latin focused um, style of cuisine. Um, and then I know you have um, Indian, you, you went on a trip to India, got very inspired by that. You do all these street foods, you know, recreating it. Can I ask you, with this conversation around appropriation with food, I've been really confused about like, am I allowed to make tacos at home? I, I don't know. And I'm not, you know, I'm making like crunchy gringo tacos. Is that okay? And um, I'm not asking you to tell me if it's okay or not, but have you thought about that at all? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, also it was reverse. So the, fir the first place is was City. So City yes. was the first restaurant. So was trips to India, you know, Mary Sue to Thailand, you know, those were sort of those trips yeah. and being influenced by food from around the world. So we put a tandoori oven into the restaurant in 1983 mm. and then took our first trip to Mexico in 83 when we opened up the first tiny little border grill in 84. So at that time, there just there were not, you know, in in LA, which has had a huge Hispanic population, there just wasn't much happening in Mexican food. I mean, there were great taco trucks around and little tiny places, but there wasn't a lot of product uh, from Mexico. There wasn't a lot of interest in that kind of cuisine. It was way more American influence. So. Um, you know, 
I don't, I mean, I don't think about it a lot. If you, yeah. if I do think about it, I understand that is what's going on. I honestly feel like if you're a student of that cuisine, if you have studied it and you've spent time there, I mean, there are many people who are from Mexico or from India or, you know, that come like out of, like my family, my sister can't cook at all. I can't because mm-hmm. I cared about it and I was interested in learning about it. You know, there are plenty of people that are from Mexico that can't cook. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so I think if, and there's plenty of people from Mexico that can cook or Is from India. about respecting the cuisine? Yeah. Well, there's a whole, there's mean? a whole thing about can two white girls yeah. be cooking and become right. well-known for Mexican Right, I know, food. I know. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, yeah. do you think what you're getting at is about the fact that you respected at learning about the culture? Is that Being what a student. Yeah, I think, you know, I think, yeah, studying, you know, I think spending time in the country is really important because mm-hmm. it's a bit, I mean, I think you get a different experience than from books. So being able to spend time traveling and eating on the streets of Mexico and with families and being able to actually sort of see, it's like learning from your grandmother is very different than reading a cookbook, yeah. you know, that. So, I don't know. I mean, I feel like if you're a student of that cuisine and you're respectful of it, I mean, certainly way back then, we were always very focused on doing very authentic Mexican food. Now, that's really shifted quite a bit for everybody. Yes. Us included. Yeah. But so, I mean, I I don't I I don't um, it doesn't ring true for me, Mm -hmm. but. You know, but then again, the cuisine in Mexico's become way, way more um, elevated in terms of, I think even the kinds of restaurants like Tijuana now is an amazing restaurant city. Right. You know, 25 years ago, it wasn't. Yeah. So why? I don't know. But I think now there's a whole different respect for the cuisine than there was from the outside world. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think the biggest problem is that is the title. Did you call it gringo taco? No, I know. Isn't that horrible? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's, um, you know, we'll do something that is more authentic at home. Um, We've even, you know, made our own tortillas, that kind of thing. But then there are those times when it's like, get me the, oh, what is the brand? The, you know, the box with the taco shells. I can't believe I'm sitting here telling Susan Feniger that I get. Yeah, don't. Just don't do it. Don't go. Even I know don't do this. The box with the crispy taco shells. You know it. You know it. Yeah, look at this face, the grimace. Big X. Yeah, don't do it. Liz even started during COVID making tortillas. Yeah. If Liz can do it. I made three. Yeah, if Liz can do it, anybody. I made three of them, and then I got bored. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just, it, that's, that is the shortcut. Sometimes that's what it is when you have an eight and a 10 year old, that's what they want. Well, that's a lot different. You should have them making the tortillas. I know, actually, you know, that's not a bad idea. That's a good COVID project, is it not? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Especially if you have a press. Yes, we have a press. Fighting. They would fight over the press. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Let me ask you, that's good for leftover turkey. That is a very good idea yeah. for doing tacos. Turkey tacos. Yeah. Um, turkey tacos with black beans, turkey, pickled onions. <gasps> pickled onions. Yeah, I like it. 
Let me ask you my final question. I feel like we did not talk nearly enough, but you guys have both done so much. You both have done so much and um, there's not enough time. But let me ask you, if you were gonna die tomorrow and you wanted to celebrate your life, what would you eat and who would be there? Who would be there? They're living, right? They're not, we're not You know what? I don't really care. No, no. Come on, this, who would it be? Okay, Kamala would would be there for sure, Kamala Harris. Because I like her so much. Yeah, she's likable. Yeah, Um, and Fanny the dog would be there. That's Mm. our dog. What about Punch? Okay, Punch too, but (laughs) he doesn't talk that much. Fanny talks a lot more. I w- wait, are we talking about if I was going to die, like, what's your last meal? That's what I'm asking, but I try to ask it in such a way that I don't, that you don't... Talk about dying? Well, no, that you don't think that you're, like, on death row. Because a lot of people are like, oh, my last meal. Okay, no, 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 no. I'm talking about you're celebrating. You're having a you know, good time. Also, well, I like almond butter and, and uh, I don't know. Liz, you are so you're the wrong person to ask. Foodie. Yeah, Yeah, you're asking a non-foodie. Yeah. <laughs> Cares. And who would be there? So Kamala, who else? Well, you would be there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, who else? Yeah. You. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I avoided that horrible mess. Um, let's see. Who would be there? You act like I, like you know more than I know. I don't. Who would be there. Oh, I don't. I you yeah you know I'm and I'm what a deer and what deer and headlights. I like my drink that I have. Look at I'm all like in the corner now, defensive. <laughs> I like my drink. You would oh, have your Ciroc. You know what? I would make a martini, a, 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 a dirty, a dirty martini on the rocks. Yes. With vermouth, with the vermouth splash. A lot of times people don't put that in anymore. They don't bother. Yeah. I like it. It smooths it out. But I would have that on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Very important part of that. And I would have it because I don't worry about getting drunk and waking up with a hangover because it's my last meal. That's exactly right. That and have the ice cream and have the cake. Yes, I'm completely with you. <laughs> Uh, I didn't think of ice cream and cake. Gosh, you're so ahead of me on this. Yeah, we have dessert. Nah, who cares about dessert? No, nah, just more. I'd rather have pasta. I'd rather have, I'd finally break down and have some pasta. We you're like Frank Sinatra, pasta and a martini. I don't know. I like Why, it. Why, thank you. Why, yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I did it my way. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Susan, what would you have? Oh, God, that's easy. I mean, it's not easy, but it's, you know. I would have, um, I would definitely have a mezcal <laughs> drink, nice. for sure, of some sort. A mezcal cocktail. I would have um, potato chips and mashed avocado with goat cheese and olive oil. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, potato wow. Goat cheese. Wait, wait, what? Avocado with goat cheese mixed <gasps> in olive oil. Okay, but the it, potato, and chips potato chips dip. Dip. Oh, okay. my I'd have gosh. That. Okay. I'd have an artichoke with mayonnaise and lime and cracked black pepper. Mm. I'd have uh, ribeye for sure. Yep. Ribeye for sure. You, don't, you, you won't have to worry about all the fat clogging your arteries yeah. anymore. But that's the best cut. That's my favorite cut. Yeah. Ribeye. Sure. I'd have uh, tons of mushrooms on top of it. I'd have um, for dessert. I'd. If I, oh no, I'd have a great salad of some sort, probably yeah. with the sesame ginger vinaigrette with Pernod and blah blah. I feel like it. like someone slipped her the question beforehand because she's no. all prepared. I, no, she I, thinks about I, this I when well, she's in the about, shower. Okay, but okay, I had I didn't say popcorn. I would have popcorn. Okay, yeah. fine. All right, I got <laughs> okay, go ahead. 
Um, and then I might have peanut M&Ms later with oh, a Kahlua wow. and cream. Oh, my God. Wow. And You're trying to kill yourself. I'm dying. Then. She's dying. I love how and all over I'd the place. And then I'd have it with, and then I'd have it with, for sure, Obama, Mandela. Um, You're talking about Nelson, not Winnie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nelson, Mandela, Obama, um I guess you could be there. Liz, uh, yeah. I, I could probably make me serve. I would be the serving girl. But I would wear one of those French maid uniforms. It would be cute. <laughs> I think those, probably those two. I'd have it with those two. That sounds like a good conversation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you two, thank you for taking time out of your COVID. Thank you. And, the, and Thanksgiving week. I'm so, yeah, I feel grateful for both of you for your work and that we got to talk. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was great to talk to you. Thanks for tuning in to Consumed, hosted by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. You know, this season marks my 70th interview with California tastemakers, and I continue to feel lucky for getting to speak with so many cool people about flavor. As we move into 2021, please continue to lean into your local independent businesses wherever you are. They will need your support more than ever this winter. Thanks for listening and see you next time.